Hello everyone and welcome back to the Ravelin Fraud Academy podcast. We're excited to welcome this week's guest, Michaela Verstraten, a seasoned e-commerce fraud expert, to talk with Jerry about how smaller businesses can tackle the problem of fraud. So welcome to the next in our series of uh, Ravelin Podcasts. This week, we're looking at the topic of how smaller retailers tackle the uh, the issue of fraud. Uh, and we're joined this week by someone who I hope is going to become a regular contributor. Um, she's Michaela Verstraten. Um, she was the fraud lead and set up many of the initial fraud systems at companies like uh, Nike and Levi's. And is a former member of the um, Merchant Risk Council, the, the European Merchant Risk Council. Uh, so it was extremely well placed to give us um, some great insight and uh, advice and experience into uh, tackling the, uh, the issue of fraud. So uh, welcome, Michaela. Hi, Jerry. Hello. And right, so let's get stuck straight in. So, I mean, I am a small business. Uh, I've been trading for some time online, and I've come across the problem of chargebacks and fraud for the first time. And I know, or we know, there are a number of options uh, available to them. And just um, wh- where do they start? What's your advice of you know, the first few things that they should look at in terms of tackling um, tackling this issue? Okay. I think most um, small businesses, um, when they begin in retail online, I mean, they they will always do so with a PSP, a payment service provider. Um, If they've done well and their payment service provider has given them the right uh, advice, they will at least have some form of very basic um, fraud solution there to uh, look at the transactions that are actually coming in. Um, That said, I have seen businesses where that's not the case. They've chosen just to um, start tackling um, business online and taking transactions um, without having anything in place. So I think the first place that they should um, go knocking on the door is is their own PSP. Go and ask the person who's providing your payment solution um, if they have their own system for detecting um, fraud and if so those things are usually based on some fairly um, standard rule sets um, which should pick up um, the beginnings of uh, any chargeback issue they're beginning to see. But I think that another way to do it and it's often these days the um, first thing that your payment service provider if you do ask them will suggest is um, using 3DS, so 3D secure, um, meaning the solution that has been um, put in place by, you know, the Visa, MasterCard, Amex um, card systems, um, in order to, if you like, prevent fraud in the sense that you make an extra check um, on every transaction as you take it's pretty, it's probably worth explaining a little bit, uh, Michaela, about what 3D Secure does. It's um, uh, it's a liability shift, but it's probably worth going into some detail about what that means. It certainly is, because um, one of the misconceptions as well is if you put 3D Secure on, you'll never have chargebacks. Right. Um, chargebacks will still occur. Um, in the most part, they will be covered by, as you mentioned, the liability shift. Um, but it's important for businesses, for merchants to realize that there are parameters around that and that it still requires that no more um, than a small percentage of chargebacks occur, even um, when 3DS has actually been offered through the um, 
through the payment moment when the uh, customer has placed an order. Mm -hmm. um, that's very important for businesses to understand um, and I think that um, quite often people actually just put say, oh, put 3D Secure on and we'll do that. However, you do have um, businesses, often the bigger businesses rather than the small star, small sort of uh, small business or startups, yeah. who are reluctant still today to use 3D Secure. Um, the reason is that it uh, is perceived to be an issue in conversion, because of course you're putting the customer through an extra process during the checkout during the payment uh, process. This is the By thing I have them to go out to their bank. This is the thing yeah. I have to go. So we send them to their bank. bank. Send them yeah. out to their bank and ask for further verification. In that verification, then if you pass, in effect, it comes back and says, "Thank you very much. Here's your order number." Yeah. If you don't pass, then the order doesn't come through. Um, and the perception is that uh, some people will drop off during that process. Um, I think correctly, often fraudsters will drop off, so that's good. Right. But it's, um, it's not the golden answer on the basis that if a card isn't yet um, registered as 3D secure, then... Um, the person who's perpetrating the fraud can actually set up the 3D Secure um, login for that particular card. So um, oh, okay. in, in a market like the UK, for example, where it's well known, well understood by customers, um, you know, most people already have registered and they may not like going through the process, but they'll accept it. If you take another market, say one of the European markets that doesn't actually use it as much, um, Customers would not even know what it is, or the process can be um, kind of even more difficult. Or fraudsters will do it because they'll know that the cards that they are trying to use are 90% certain not to yet have um, been enabled on 3D Secure, which allows them to do it. Okay, so 3D Secure isn't a a perfect answer to uh, to the fraud problem, but I do want to query one thing. You said it's a perception that it's uh, it hurts conversion. I'm just, in your opinion, is that perception accurate or is that exaggerated? It's interesting. There have been quite a lot of studies done by, of course, Visa, Mastercard, but also by um, different PSPs to uh, of their actual um, experience in what they see, um, and. I have to say that now, um, compared to five years ago, say, um, you know, the experience is much better. Mm -hmm. um, there is one pain point still in that we are all um, shopping more on mobile. Yeah. Um, and we're still, but we're still waiting for a 3D secure process that works well on mobile. Um, so if you have it switched on, for example, for your web store, it will work when someone's using um, any form of uh, browser that is not mobile. But once they start using a tablet or a smartphone and uh, checking out that way, then usually 3DS would be switched off because um, the process is so cumbersome. Um, it's about to be resolved. Mm -hmm. So that. people are waiting um, just by an update of the system by the banks, okay. by the... Um, issuing cards uh, it, it, it's again it's a system that was put in place but it's not just what it's not one system it works different depending on where you know which bank you're uh, with um, different banks have different ways of making your 
verification happen. Um, so again, it's not something that the merchant can control. Um, and for that reason, um, they're not always very pleased with how it makes their web shop look. Okay, and outside of 3DS, um, there are a host of other sort of, what am I describing, sort of point solutions. They do a specific thing. Um, so you think of um, device fingerprinting with something like threat metrics or social identification, uh, social account verification with something like TrustDev. Um, I just, you know, I'm wondering, there are many of them. I mean, how would a vendor or how would a merchant rather um, go about selecting which ones would make sense of their business? And, and in your experience, do they, you know, did it perform a useful function? I think it's fair to say that, um, you know, there are plenty of uh, individual options on the market too, as you say, um, do the device fingerprint, uh, look at social media, um, media and verification that way, um, actually looking, for example, just to verify the email. These are all mm. what I would call one tool solutions. Yeah. Um, and I think that, because we are talking about small businesses, um, I think that if small businesses are growing and therefore are beginning to feel some pain from um, chargebacks, and chargebacks will happen, the, the, the aim of um, any business is to keep those uh, chargebacks to a minimum. Um, in doing so, using the tools that you would have available from your existing systems in place would be the first thing to do. So your PSP, hopefully your PSP can offer some form of 3DS, um, which is then based against, you know, you only put it on orders over £100, for example, yep. um, which is basically referred to as dynamic 3D secure. Or, um, so you can choose which transactions you actually enact it upon. Um, and then you have, um, for small businesses, you have also uh, companies who offer a form of chargeback guarantee model. Um, they do tend to do this. Um, it's not very cost effective once you get to bigger volumes, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but it has merit in the small business space. Um, the issue when you're looking at the chargeback guarantee model is they will take uh, the transactions and if there is a chargeback, you know, you as the merchant won't suffer that chargeback cost. Okay. Um, but what is often um, at stake there is a, a slight increase in false positives. So you may be, you may find that um, with those models, you're turning away some good business. Yeah. Um, that may look fraudulent, um, and that percentage tends to be a little bit higher um, when thinking about models and companies which are offering a chargeback guarantee. So, Michael, is it is it the merchant turning it away, or is it the chargeback guarantee provider who's turning down the transactions so well, that we get the false positive? If you're using a chargeback guarantee provider um, or a provider that that gives you a chargeback guarantee, yeah. um, their system, like any of the other systems, would be integrated in effect into your checkout, into mm -hmm. your payment page, and you know the decision that's made about whether this um, the information contained in this particular transaction is to be trusted or not trusted, yeah. or potentially put into a manual review situation. Um, either internally or by the company that's doing um, the uh, giving you the chargeback guarantee, 
um, they would err on the side of caution. That would make sense for their business model because they don't uh, equally want to have too many chargeback um, coming through since they are guaranteeing the whole value of those chargebacks. Yeah. Um, I think um, for that reason, it makes sense that in, in effect, you can expect a higher false positive um, on that. I think the key um, is that it will block out fraud, but it will also mean that some of your good orders um, will suffer, um, which means your conversion as well. Okay. Yep. So a lot of these tools, I guess, the, the sort of one piece of guidance is is you know watch, watch, watch the conversion because between 3DS and a chargeback guarantee and um, some you know uh, point solution. Are the PSP's own fraud tools, there is a pretty strong risk that you're going to be creating a false positive problem. Is that, um, is that fair to say? I think that that is fair to say across all sizes of uh, retail businesses, small or sure. large. Yeah. Um, if you uh, consider in any company, I think it's important that they review um, current systems regularly. Yeah. Um, but with a small business, they tend to really only start paying attention when they discover that they have a... Um, chargeback problem which has sort of suddenly mushroomed to a level where um, you know someone in finance for example say why are we losing all this money why are we getting all these chargebacks to us um, from our payment provider because generally the pay you know you see that if you like in the invoicing of the PSP because they it's charged back to them and then they charge it back to you as the merchant so okay it's about uh -huh. management of the situation I mean, what, what, when would you advise a smaller business to start considering a, a sort of a fuller fraud solution, a solution that, you know, for the sake of argument, Ravelum would provide or one of our competitors? I think that could be um, based on one of two things. I mean, some of it would be when you get um, over a certain volume of transactions, you know, the recommendation for a certain volume of business. So... Um, I would say plus 500 transactions a day, for example. Um, but I think it would could also be based upon the percentage of loss. And it's quite interesting because many, many businesses actually offer various different payment methods, mm -hmm. but they do, they do measure, um, if you like, fraud loss. So they do me measure percentage of chargebacks against the whole revenue um, that they're taking in. Now, some people would discuss that that's not a correct um, percentage because, of course, it will appear to be lower than if you were only um, measuring it against um, card transactions. So if your percentage of chargebacks against only card transactions is above um, 3%, yeah. um, then you should be really seriously considering moving to a full solution because although you can report that, and most businesses do, against your full revenue, um, including other payment methods, um, if you're already at 3% on the cards, then you, you're running into an area where you have a problem. I think even at 2%, to be honest. Okay. Um, and it also depends across the different payment cards because you could be at 3%. Over, you could be at 2% overall, but you could be at 3% on MasterCard, for example, and have a lower rate on Visa or the other way around. And each of um, those companies in particular, Visa and MasterCard, are um, becoming much uh, more vigilant of pursuing merchants that 
are experiencing an unacceptable level of chargebacks. Okay, Michaela, thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk again very soon, I hope. Um, I should just say before we go that there is a bunch of materials available on ravelin.com slash resources. Um, you can find it gives a lot of advice to new and, um, and more mature businesses in terms of tackling fraud. That'd be a good place to go next. Um, okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to hear more, you can follow us on either SoundCloud or iTunes. Until next time.